0: Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho duro, parlay, hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan Jay. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of sports, and we definitely want to interact with you, so make sure to swing on over to otphpodcast.com. Join the conversation on all our social media accounts. They're all right there. We interact with everybody, even Coach Duffy. You can also check out the T Public store where there's always something good to pick up for the summertime. We've got a lot of new looks that are going to be coming on the yeah, site as well. And yeah. It's always a cool way to support the podcast, and we definitely do appreciate it. Check out Parlay Points, new blogs count anywhere just came out finally for reasons. <laughs> the classified section, the directory. If it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can simply find it at odphpodcast.com. And always remember on social media to use the hashtag odphpod. Kicking off the sports talk on this edition, though, we have to recap the latest happenings in the NBA playoffs. Yeah. What a series we of events we've had. Good Lord. Some upsets, if you will. Yeah. So let us just deep dive and break down... The latest standing, shall we, Pad?
1: Yeah, so of course, uh, as we record, uh, the NBA uh, Conference Finals, you know, the Eastern and Western Conference Finals are getting ready to tip off. Uh, As we record, actually, the Eastern Conference Finals are set to tip off tonight uh, at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. That is between the Boston Celtics taking on the Miami Heat. And then starting on Wednesday will be, uh, that is May 18th uh, in taking place will be the dallas mavericks taking on the golden state warriors that game taking place at 9 p.m eastern that on tnt and i gotta say finals you know i'm not normally dialed in you know tuned into everything going on with the finals i'll keep an eye on i'll I'll pay attention to some stuff but like this year i've been kind of dialed in with a lot of stuff and paying attention just because and i and i can't take credit for this somebody pointed out you know, I that for a lot of people, myself included, I think these playoffs are so exciting because it's not predictable. Mm-hmm. It's not like the last couple of years or you know the last dozen years or so where you can look at it and go, okay, there's a field of however many teams there ends up being, but like you clearly know who's going to make it on the West, who's going to make it on the East. It's just a matter. Sure. Of, it's just a matter of getting there and, and Cinderella getting there before uh, after midnight, you mm-hmm. know, type of thing. But for this year, not the case. There's a couple of teams that are like, oh, yeah, they're pretty good. Yeah, they should be they should be good. They should cruise through. And, well, not the case.
0: No, definitely not. I mean, this year has got a lot of parity, especially in the Eastern Conference, mm-hmm. I thought has been some, some of the best basketball we've seen. Yeah. The Western Conference has kind of gone in the way I thought it was going to go, with the exception of one series. So it's been a little curveball yeah. seeing the Dallas Mavericks of all teams. Cool. Yeah. Emerged to get to the face the Golden State Warriors. Yep, that has been the biggest surprise for me. Oh yeah, because I thought with Phoenix and Chris Paul back, uh huh, we were going to have deja vu. There was everything was going to start clicking. Right. And man, oh man, were we surprised?
1: Yeah, because you got to remember, this is a Phoenix Suns team with Chris Paul that is, you know. Not even a year removed from making it to the NBA Finals. Right. You know, and I and I still think a lot of those players they had from last year are still intact. You know, yeah, everyone's a year older, but still the talent level to me is still there. You know, so it, it's just interesting to see that Dallas came in and basically, especially with <laughs> that game seven, god damn.
0: Break that down for us, Pat. So
1: that game was absolutely fucking nuts. That game took place on Sunday, and uh the Mavericks won by the final score of hundred and twenty-three to ninety. Uh, Yo. And Luka Doncic was your leading scorer, 35 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists. Uh, at one point, the Mavericks were up by like 40 or something absurd like that. And then Luka had as many points at halftime as the uh, Suns did for a team. That's insane. Yeah, like I think at halftime, if I remember correctly, the Suns only, yeah, they only had 27 points, which was as many as Luka had by himself.
0: That's in just crazy to think about too because especially with how well Phoenix had been playing. Yeah. And to see Dallas scrap with them, I'll give them their due. Like I say, I'm not the biggest Dallas fan because yeah. well, when you take on the unicorn and try making something happen yeah. there, you're not going to win over a lot of Knicks fans. True. But I mean, Luka is having a stellar playoff performance oh yeah
1: and we always knew this was going to come from him i mean you just look at the body of work and just the talent level he has Mm -hmm. you knew it was going to come at some point
0: you knew it was going to happen and i mean that's something that all great players rise to the occasions when you're in the playoffs i mean you can have a great regular season sure oh yeah sure a lot of people do but you're always remembered for what you do in the playoffs And he showed absolutely no fear. And the fact, especially for a Game 7. Yeah. I mean, that's the one thing that you have to drive home. When it's Game 7, it's win or go home. Mm -hmm. It's that simple. And for the Phoenix Suns to come out that flat is atrocious. Oh, it was awful. Absolutely. There's no excuse for it. I'm sorry, none. I know Chris Paul has been taking a lot of heat for it. Oh, yeah. Rightfully so in in certain aspects of his game. I will say it's well-deserved. But this is an overall team effort, and Luca just took over that last game. I mean, like you touched upon, 35 points, oh, yeah. 12, for four, 12 for 19 from the field. I mean, he definitely asserted his will, and he won that game outright by himself. Oh, yeah. And that's going to be something that they'll need to do facing Golden State moving forward.
1: I mean, Luca and the Mavericks whooped the Suns so damn bad that the Suns basically put out an apology letter to the fans.
0: Well, they should.
1: And I'm not even joking. So this letter from the Phoenix Suns is signed by James Jones and Jason Rowley. uh, And it reads, Today is a new day for Phoenix Suns fans. The work on next season is already underway. As employees, fans, partners, and PayPal 6th Man members of the Phoenix Suns, you should be proud of what you have helped this team and our organization accomplish. For three straight seasons, we have been raising the bar on expectations and accomplishments. That wouldn't have been possible without the incredible support from the best fans in the NBA, some of whom have been with us since uh, the start of in 1968. With greater success and expectation comes deeper disappointment. That's natural. Just know we all share in it, and our organization won't be satisfied until we bring an NBA championship to the Valley. We're in this together. We win together. We lose together. We fight together. And the only way we get better is together. Thank you for supporting us all season as we look ahead to the start of a new chapter. Classy way to put it. Oh, it is, but I don't think I've ever seen that happen, like,
0: the day after. A loss like that. Well, I think that they understand the temp in the room. And the temp is you're the number one seed in the West. Your record that season, sixty-four and eighteen.
1: And you've got one of the best point guards of all time, you know, Mad Dog Russo, notwithstanding. Yeah. Uh you know, he is one of the best point guards of all time.
0: You have him, you have Devin Booker, a star in the making. Yeah. You have Aiden. I mean, you have players on your team that should be dominating. Or
1: starting to, and putting up more than you know, twenty-seven points at halftime.
0: Yeah, the fact that you didn't, and you came out that flat uh-huh. in a do-or-die situation. I mean, let's face it, they were up three-two in the series, too. Oh yeah, we don't, we we didn't really dive in about. The Mavericks came back in Game Six and beat them one-thirteen to eighty-six. Yeah. This was almost like a deja vu performance to a degree.
1: Oh, yeah, and I'm just looking at the team stats. I mean, it's it's atrocious no matter how you look at it. Uh the Suns in field goals were 33 of 87. Uh good for 37.9% from the field. Three point uh they were 12 of 34 for 35.3%. Free throws they the free throws are about the only thing they did good in. They were 12 of 18 so I was good for 66.7%. You know, but then rebounds, they only have 39. So, like, you just got blown out of the
0: gym. They got blown out of the gym, and there's no excuse for it. I mean, that's the problem you have, that Dallas is is more or less a one-man team. Like, let's be honest about it. I know Spencer did. Dinwiddle is there, too, and he definitely contributed to the knockout Oh, yeah, 30, there. 30 points. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm not going to take anything super away from him, but let's face it. When we talk about the Mavericks, it's all Luca, And... Luka took over that game.
1: Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, it's one of those things where, like, if you are a team, case in point, Golden State Warriors, mm-hmm. you're able to shut down Luca. I'm looking at the uh, box score for the game against the Phoenix Suns and for everybody that played, because everybody played, there was no did-not-plays, there ain't nobody else on that bench that I'm going, shit, I got to worry about them if I'm doubling up Luca. Yeah, like, yeah. like, there's guys that, like, okay, they might go off and, and do whatever and, like, put up a performance. But, like, really, if I'm game-planning for them, I'm not exactly scared.
0: Yeah, you're not exactly worried. I mean, this is the problem that you have with this team. That with Dallas, like, yeah, they played with house money and they cashed in. And I can't fault them on that. I will not fault them on that. I just look at the rest of your team here. Mm -hmm. And you take a look at Phoenix. So this is the problem that we're seeing. Yeah. Game 7, you got the stats up. I do. How many points did Chris Paul put up?
1: Uh, Chris Paul himself put up uh, 10 points.
0: Devin Booker. Uh, 11 points. Aiden. Five, so that's your nucleus, mm-hmm. and your nucleus put up a combined twenty six points. Do you not like understand the problem of like what the epic fail here?
1: Your leading scorer, uh, just for the record, was a gentleman who did not even start. His name is and I'm pulling it up because it's of course it's a abbreviated on the box A gentleman named Cameron Johnson uh, from the University of North Carolina was a first round pick in the twenty nineteen draft, and he had twelve points. He was your leading scorer for the Phoenix Suns, and he did not even start.
0: See, yikes! That's where the issue is. This team just fell apart. There's no excuse for it. Like I said, your nucleus. To just stress that you have that core member of your teams. These guys are your franchise players. They need to shine in these moments. And I understand Aiton didn't play that much, right? Okay, but still no Seven, excuse.
1: Seventeen minutes, you know, only five points. Yeah,
0: yeah, but Booker and, and Chris Paul in there over thirty minutes. Oh yeah. Unexcusable.
1: No, oh, yeah, it's a bad performance and it's a bad look from the coaching staff. That you know, it's one of the hallmarks of good coaches. I mean, look at any sport: baseball, football, hockey, basketball. The good coaches will see something. And another one I can always think of is uh the Patriots in whatever playoff run it was in. You know, where Gronkowski got hurt and left the game, and Gronkowski was a main feature of their offensive game plan. Sure, Belichick turned around and goes, "All right, we don't have our A source of offense. We got to flip it to our B B source of offense. We got to flip the script." clearly chris paul who is your point guard he's your go-getter he's one of your guys he doesn't have it going he played 30 he played 31 minutes 10 points he does not have it going you got to figure something else out to do it
0: mhm and that's where the problem held so dallas is moving on yep obviously there you have a very tough task ahead of them i think yeah, of, I, I think i think of all the remaining teams they have the biggest mountain to climb oh yeah because they have to face a golden state team that Love them or hate them is clicking at the right time.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, because you just look at the playoffs and how, you know, they both got here. Uh, you had the Dallas Mavericks in the first round face the number five uh, Utah Jazz, who they beat 4 to 2, so pretty handedly, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, then this last conference sem- uh, semi round, as we mentioned, game seven beat Phoenix. On the flip side, you had Golden State in the first round take on the number 60 Denver Nuggets, who they beat four games to one, so. Handedly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in the uh, this most recent round, the Golden State Warriors played the Memphis Grizzlies, the number two seed, who they beat four games to two. So, handedly. I mean, there was that one game where, like, somebody asked uh, stuff about all you know, the game plan, you know, for game whatever it was, and, and he basically said, he didn't say to this exactly, but he basically said, oh, we're going to whoop their ass. yeah. And then, in turn, the Warriors got their ass whooped. You know, so outside of that, it's, it, they're clicking on all cylinders. I agree with you. Dallas might be able to pull out a win. Maybe two wins on a on a freak, two if
0: they're lucky. Two
1: two if they're like, One on a freak night. Two if if Golden State's having a bad shooting night, maybe. But I, Golden State's going to run through this. I'm going to say it's probably going to be another four two or even four one series win.
0: I will have to agree with you on this one. I mean, I think what we have to take a look at is a couple things. Memphis was banged up during this series. Mm-hmm. I mean, John Morant obviously was playing as hard as he could, but yeah. he, but that injury when I mean, yeah. once, once he got hurt, it was it was. Okay.
1: Which surprised me, like it did. Now, granted, I've never played basketball outside of recreationally in gym class in school. Didn't look that bad to
0: me, but eh, what do I know? But for the amount that he puts his body through, true, true. Like that's the one situation, like when he was. Playing hurt,
1: I mean, and I'm not doubting he was hurt, and I'm not yeah, sitting No, here no, And I'm not. not sitting
0: here saying, "Oh, he was faking. He just didn't." No, I'm, I'm just like, "Wow, that really surprised me." Yeah, no, it definitely does. But you have to think about how much he puts his body through. Oh yeah, and yeah. especially with how Memphis grinds wins. I mean, they're not exactly a finesse team to a degree. Like they will wear you out. They play very physical. And, and he,
1: he plays a very physical style too.
0: Exactly. I mean, you think about it, if. Game one could have gone a completely different way. That's the yeah. one they lost by one point. Yep. And obviously they tied the series up there. But once Java was you know out for the remainder, it became tough. And yeah. this is where Golden State just clicked at the right time. I mean, I understand game five was a different story when Memphis dropped 134 on the 95. Yeah. But Golden State knows the, the importance. Mm-hmm. That's the word I'm looking for. Of not going to a game seven where every all bets are off, and that's why the Splash Brothers definitely came in for a combined fifty nine.
1: Oh, yeah, that's why I say don't let get don't let it get to game six because in game six, yo,
0: exactly, and especially they went on a run late, twenty three to seven. Yeah, see, this is why they understand the situation, and it's nothing against Memphis. Memphis no. is a very young team. They're just Golden State's been there; they know what to do. They're gelling exactly. That's the one thing. So next year I would I don't doubt Memphis making a deeper run oh absolutely I, I, I absolutely I, I think there may be one player away from really doing some serious damage oh yeah but I think for right now it's the Splash Brothers the dynasty if you will of Golden State's final run
1: yeah no it very well could be I mean we shall see you know that series of course like we mentioned kicks off on uh, Wednesday uh currently Golden State is favored by five points uh, and the over under is 214 point uh, five. and then in terms of injuries, as of recording, Dallas has no injured players listed on the injury report per ESPN.com. Uh, and for Golden State, you have Otto Porter Jr., their small forward, listed as day to day, that is as of May fifteenth. And then Gary Payton, uh, the second, their shooting guard, is listed as out.
0: Yeah. It's gonna be tough, like I say, for Dallas. Oh, I yeah. ju- I just don't see them doing it. I think yeah, like a- I said,
1: it's gonna be a four one, four two series win.
0: I, I would say so. And I mean it and this is just one situation that when Golden State is clicking and you take a look at the momentum they have going into this. I mean, closing out game six, mm-hmm. and like we said, Splash Brothers, fifty-nine points between them both. And if Clay Thompson is back to a fraction of Clay of old, it's going to be tough for anybody to defeat them moving on. I'm sorry, it's just oh, absolutely. You're you're asking for problems because if him and Steph are going, and not all that pressure is on Steph and Draymond, will give you some points. He's not exactly the franchise guy per se at this mm-hmm. stage. He'll give you minutes, and he'll he'll definitely give you some tough baskets. No question of that. But for what Golden State is going to be bringing to the table, it's going to be too much for Dallas. I'm sorry. theres I don't want to say it's as close to a lock, but unless Dallas gets lightning in a bottle from somewhere, and I'm not wishing any injuries, obviously, right, right. but if unless some real bad luck happens to Golden State, this should be an easy one and done. Like They should get at least done by five, if not six. I'm just saying oh, yeah, yeah, the talent yeah. level just isn't there. And this is where Golden State is going to be thriving. If they can punch their ticket to the finals, that's going to be a hell of a story, too, in its own right. Because coming out of the East, Mm -hmm. this is where things get interesting. Oh, yeah. So let us get the recap pad. Yeah, so of course, as I mentioned before,
1: this uh, kicks off tonight as we record at 8 o'clock on ESPN between the number one seeded Miami Heat taking on the number two seeded Boston Celtics. Uh, of course, back in the first round, you had the Miami Heat uh, play the number eight seeded Atlanta Hawks, who they beat uh, four games to one rather handedly. Yes, yes, uh, they did. And then in the second round, uh, they played the number four seeded Philadelphia 76ers, who they beat in four games to two. Uh, and then uh, now that here they are, in the uh, conference finals Uh, and then on the flip side for Boston Celtics of course there's the uh, game we've talked extensively about Mm -hmm. in the first round where they faced the number seven Brooklyn Nets and they did what Ken?
0: Uh, They uh, whooped them
1: uh huh swept them four games to none yes they did you might have heard about it I don't know Uh, And then in the second round, uh, they faced the number three-seeded Milwaukee Bucks. Of course, the reigning, defending, undisputed champs, uh, who they ended up beating uh, four games to three. Took them the best of seven games. Uh, And then here they are in the conference finals.
0: Well, let's jump into the Heat's run here. And especially, I will be the one to admit, my pick for the finals, choked. I'm still in it. I know you are, but I will be honest about this. The Philly Experiment... Did not pan out the way it Mm -hmm. should have. And this goes to show two things. One, Miami plays team ball better than arguably everybody else in the league. Oh, yeah, that that just goes down to Spolster and his coaching. It does. And when you have Jimmy Butler, who does more of the little things right for that team, and you want to talk about a guy whose presence is felt on that squad, he makes everybody else work. You can't teach that. You can only sit there and watch him do those little things, get everybody going, hold people accountable for their plays and make them better from it. I hate saying it because it's Miami, but damn, these guys are playing at such an elite level. Yeah. It's scary. Oh, yeah, no, it's frightening. It's absolutely frightening. And then to flip the coin to Philadelphia. Hey. You know, I hate seeing for Embiid, who has played an MVP season, Mm -hmm. even though he doesn't get the trophy for reasons, he has done literally everything he can. There's
1: not much else he can do.
0: There isn't. Short of
1: maybe going back in time and stopping Jimmy Butler from getting traded, but, you know.
0: That would be the only thing, and I think uh, he'll be the first one to admit that after Jimmy Butler, because once the heat clinched, Jimmy Butler was screaming, you kept Tobias Harris? Mm-hmm. to paraphrase yeah like, and i think even
1: i think even mb did go wasn't even i don't understand why we did it
0: well i think the the problem was at that time you were banking that ben simmons was going to be the guy <laughs> and hindsight is always twenty twenty. <laughs> so you've learned from those mistakes but unfortunately it cost you when it did uh-huh and with them not re-signing jimmy butler you going all in on Ben Simmons. Well, they let,
1: they let Reddick go, who was pretty good at that point, too. Yeah,
0: exactly. I mean, they, they've done so many misfires when it comes to loading that roster that this is why this team is in this position. And I honestly thought that James Harden would get the fire lit under him again, that I thought maybe getting away from the drama that is Brooklyn, who, by the way, got swept in the first round. Yeah, they did. Can't help but reiterate that point. I thought that he would get a little fire under him that now the pressure is off him. He's just got to pan off and bead. You can get something out of Maxi and, and Harris, and then you'd be in good shape. Sadly, that did not happen. Because if you're giving James Harden the expectation of being an MVP... Mm-hmm. Pad, do you know how many points he dropped in that final game against the Heat? Uh, I had it up. I went back to
1: way. Just give me three seconds. Uh, he had 11 points. So 11 points
0: for a superstar player
1: who uh, who is could potentially sign a supermax contract in the offseason.
0: And that, that's a very big debate if he's worth it at this stage. No,
1: he no, he's not.
0: I I understand that there was some hype on uh First Take this morning arguing a point about that. There is no argument at this stage in the day you can't give him that max if, contract. If
1: if it's like time travel is possible and it's, you know, the Houston Rockets James Harden who was like dropping he was like averaging a triple double for like 3 seasons. Or something absurd like that. I forget what it was. He was averaging a triple-double for like three seasons at some point. If, yeah. it, if it's that James Harden, absolutely. Oh, abs- yeah. absolutely He's worth every dollar if it's that James Harden. But this James Harden is not worth that money because I'm just looking at his game log from the postseason. As I mentioned, 11 points in the last game. Uh, these are his remaining point totals for the series against the Heat uh, going from the uh, most recent game to the uh, earliest game. Mm-hmm. 14 points. 31 points. 17, 20, 16. Like, that is not the James Harden I'm expecting. Now, maybe he had something going on and ankle wasn't feeling 100%. Elbow wasn't feeling 100%. I don't know. I'm not James Harden. I'm not a team doctor for Philly. I I don't know. But I'm looking at, on paper, and I'm looking at what the season gave me, and I'm looking just looking doing the eye test going, he's not worth the Supermax.
0: He's definitely not worth the Supermax. I'm sorry. When you think Supermax, you got to be dropping at least 30 a night. He only did that one time in that series. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is the crunch time that you have to step up and you have to do this. You can't say that you're worth the super max money when you're putting up average numbers. I'm sorry. Like the glory days of Houston are gone. And this pains me to say because I like his game. Right. But he didn't come in ready to play in Brooklyn. Right. I know there was the drama about getting him out of Houston to Brooklyn in the first place. And yeah. And honestly, I don't think he ever recovered from that. And then you tie in the whole Ben Simmons trade. Which I honestly thought when they announced this, man, this is game over for Philly. Well, and I'm just looking at his regular season
1: averages. Uh, for, for this season, he averaged 21 points, uh, ten and a half assists, and then seven re- seven point one rebounds a game. Uh, in terms of the point totals, uh, 21 points a game. That is his lowest season average since his last year in Oklahoma City in the 2011-2012 season, where he averaged 16.8. Uh. points per game
0: that's ridiculous
1: that is the lowest since his junior year
0: and you know what playing in philly you're not going to get to slide with that Mm -mm. if you were at a market that didn't care about basketball you could probably get away with that
1: yeah and i mean the the years i because i'm looking at the total years i'm talking about were the 2017 2018 season he averaged 30 points a game 2018 2019 he averaged 36 points a game and then 2019 2020 he averaged 34 points a game yeah, dirt. if it's
0: that hardened, Supermax. Oh Th- yeah. This one? Hell no. You can't give it to him. No, you're exactly right. You you have to produce to get that money. And I'm sorry, he's not producing to get that type. Right. He'll get paid. Like there's no question oh, about that. Somebody this. will. Somebody's gonna pay him probably a little more than they should. God help their soul. If they want to go Supermax. I could see that happening. I hope it's not the Knicks because that would be a Knicks move that I would definitely see them doing.
1: Well, it all depends on how the Rangers do.
0: Yes, exactly. We are Blue Shirt Nation. We'll talk about that later in the show. God, yes, we will.
1: The Rangers determine what Dolan does with the Knicks, let's face it.
0: Yes, either that or we all got to go buy Dolan CDs to put, send them out on tour.
1: Because think about it this way. If the Rangers do good, Dolan's going to be happy not screw with the Knicks. If the Rangers do poorly, then Dolan's going to screw with the Knicks.
0: yeah so, so far so good. But this is also a situation where teams really got to look and see where are you going to get from Harden and if is he the missing piece for a puzzle. I think in Philly's case, yeah, you, you're you in a tough situation. I think you can offer him a contract to come back. You can't give him Supermax. So. Hell no. You Hell can't, no. You can't. You have to go out there and get somebody else to compliment him. Beat. I don't know exactly who's jumping out there that you could get, but it's a situation for them. They're going to need to go in a different direction. Oh, absolutely! Or change of philosophies of you know what style of offense you want to do, because if you are this good and on paper you are, you have to hang with the Miamis, the Milwaukee's, and some of the other teams in the East.
1: Now, I, I, you got to look at something just because you're far enough along in that, like you're at the point of the you know there's the whole quote about you know insanity and repeating and all that. Mm-hmm we're at that point that like you've been trying this and trusting the process for how long yeah. where has it gotten you? You've had some success and you've had some runs, but none of them ever as far as you would like. I think the time has come to really rethink the philosophy that like, okay, clearly we've tried this. This isn't working. We got to try something else.
0: I agree. I think you absolutely have to. Any other question about that? I mean, it is just foolish. You have to reevaluate the process this off season. And if you're going to bring back James Harden, that's a tough pill to swallow. Mm-hmm. That really is at this stage because he's going to be looking for super max money. You should not give it to him because I'm sorry if you're if you're if you're barely getting 20 points a night, let alone 30. Right. What's the sense in doing that? And it's not a situation where Philly needs to have names in that lineup. Mm-hmm. Philly respects when you can ball. If you can't ball, they're going to boo you out of the building every single night it's arguably the toughest fan base in all professional sports pretty much they don't care how much you're making unless you're somebody that's fleecing the team
1: if, as long as you're winning they like you yeah the instant they don't start like you don't start winning well then they don't like you
0: so this is a situation they're gonna definitely have to deal with and on the flip side miami looking damn good uh-huh everybody's clicking right. Tyler Hero, he's playing oh, yeah. great, you know, even for coming off the bench. He's been playing absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Adeo, mm-hmm. he's doing great too. Yeah. Bam, Bam Bam gives you those tough rebounds in the center, and he definitely takes up that presence. Like I said, he's not expected to drop 30 a night, yeah. but he does the little things right. And you see about Jimmy Butler taking over games. He, he has the capability to do it. Is he going to do it every night? No, no. But he'll at least give you a solid 20 oh, yeah. easily. Oh, easily. So, and it just depends if who else is going to step up, whether it's P.J. Tucker, whether it's Strauss. I mean, they have guys on this team for Miami that they can filter in and out, and they can definitely make good things happen. Mm -hmm. And for them, they got to be sitting pretty going into this finals. Oh, yeah. Because this was a big thing for Jimmy Butler. It's a lot of emotion, especially beating Philly. Oh, yeah. Because he wanted to make a statement he did. Like I said, calling out Tobias Harris after the game was crazy, but listen. Right, he, that's warranted. It's warranted, and he's not somebody that will shy away from his opinion about that. And that's no. one thing I love about Jimmy. I wish he was with New York. I Oh, my God. Like, I kicked, you know, in, the, in just over and over. Like, oh, why yeah, did we yeah. not get him? Just, well, what could have been? Yeah. And just, oh, like, I see, I get so emotional I can't even talk about it. That's how good he is. But they have a big test ahead of them. Yeah, they do. With Boston.
1: Boston very battle-tested, uh, taking on the Brooklyn Nets, who let's face it. As bad as they are, they still whooped them four games to none. That is an accomplishment in and of itself. You Salute know? to them despite all the nonsense and all the on-court, off-court antics with with Brooklyn. They still beat them four games. You still had Kevin Durant
0: on the floor, you know. So kudos to that. Yes, this they, they, they swept them. We just need to reiterate they yeah. swept Brooklyn. Yes, they did swept them, whooped and, them,
1: and then you know to go into the second seat, second you know arguably the hardest path of any playoff team this this off season or uh, postseason. Round one, you play Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Round two, you play uh, Milwaukee, the mm. de- reigning defending champs. And you go four games to three in game seven, you win that one. Which, granted, I know Chris Middleton was out. He didn't play. You know, that definitely affected Milwaukee to a certain extent. But still, you still got Giannis there. they still got a lot of good players up there. So, Jesus.
0: When you have the best player in the league in Giannis, a lot of expectation is there. Mm-hmm. In Milwaukee, listen, you can't take anything away from him. He's got his chip. Yeah, he does. So, them coming into the season, I'm not saying the expectation wasn't there, but I think it's a little lesson because winning again is tough.
1: It was there, but, like, they they weren't necessarily a lock to be like, yep, they returned all the players from last season. They should repeat. Like, obviously, there's some expectation there because, hey, you're the defending champs. It's, mm-hmm. It comes with the territory. But I don't think a lot of people had them penciled in to win the whole thing.
0: No, I mean, I thought they would make a run. Could I, did could I see them going back again? Sure. But let's face it, I mean, they are a team that gets streaky and they need a lot of help and a lot of luck when they get into the playoffs. Yeah. It's just sometimes it clicks and sometimes it doesn't. On the flip side though, I know I talk about how well Miami plays as a team. Mm-hmm. Boston plays as a team mm-hmm. as well.
1: They've been they've been around in together for a few years, you know, so they, they do play good team ball.
0: Exactly. And you think about Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum is gonna be the next big superstar in this league if you're not on Should board be. yet. Telling you right now, that kid is going to take this Boston franchise to at least one ship before it's all said and done, unless he leaves to join the Knicks. (laughs) It's a situation that they have such a nice nucleus, and I stress that again with all these great teams. When you have three core players, and then you have great role players around them you have a team, mm-hmm. and the one thing that Boston does is Boston. Boston plays both sides of the ball really well. Oh, absolutely. So does Miami, and you saw that with Boston stopping Giannis and slowing him down. I should say you don't really stop him. No, but you slow him down enough that you you force somebody else to make the you know the next man up, so to speak. And they really didn't have a great answer for them mm-hmm. in this series. I mean, Milwaukee did kind of struggle a bit. I mean, Drew Holiday had some moments here and there. So, oh yeah, you know, it, but. At the end of the day, when you can slow down Giannis, and especially in that final game, mm-hmm. which is a game seven, and we knew this was going to be a scrap, that's so much of a win, just more than on the court. This goes to show that Boston literally says, we don't care who you got on the other side of the court. Oh yeah, We're going to slow you down. And If they slow down Giannis to only 25 in that final game, that's big. That's a win. That's a huge win. And then when you have on the other side, Grant Williams, of all people, who? for Boston. Exactly. Exactly dropping 27 and that just bounced out with jason tatum's 23 that is a combo like i say when you have that next man up mentality that helps and this is something that boston rotates people in and out very well they are built to make a deep run here oh yeah so the question now becomes boston or miami pad
1: I mean, it's going to be very interesting. I think the thing that might hurt Boston is, uh, looking at their injury report, you do have Marcus Smart listed as day-to-day, so might play, might not play. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you've also got Sam Hauser, their small forward, listed as out. Those are both as of the 16th. Uh, And then on the Miami Heat side of things, you've got Kyle Lowry, their point guard, listed as out. Uh, Caleb Martin, their small forward, uh, listed as day to day. Gabe Vincent, their point guard, listed as day to day. Max Struss, their shooting guard, listed as day to day. And PJ Tucker, their power forward, listed as day to day. I think if Marcus Smart is able to come back at some point and he's not out for an extended period of time, I, you got to give this to Boston. They're just way better defensively, offensively. That like they're not one dimensional or one kind of one person as the as the offense. And if you shut that person down. Well, then they're screwed. Mm-hmm. It, like you said, it's next man up. It's the oh no, you know Jason Tatum's being double covered up. Marcus Smart here's open. Oh no, let's they can rotate it around enough and spread the ball enough.
0: This game or this series rather is going seven. Oh, easily. There's no question in my mind. This is going to go seven. Both of these teams play both sides of the ball so well. This is like old school San Antonio Spurs basketball. Like mm-hmm. when they used to take on Detroit back in the heyday. Oh, yeah. And you'd have like real defensive grinds, and, you know, when they used to go there. This is one of those situations that I am saying it's going to literally come down to who is hot at the last game. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'll make a bold prediction. Jason Tatum is going to have the breakout game of breakout games to close this series out. All right. He is the superstar on the rise. He has shown that he can shut down or slow down Kevin Durant, keep up with him in a in a you know a series. Yeah. I don't think Miami has enough firepower to really shut him down if he gets clicking. I think they'll they'll maintain it they'll keep it close. Yeah. But I could see Tatum going off. And it just depends too, like you touched upon. If Marcus Smart is there, that helps out a lot because that'll it'll take some pressure off him. Mm-hmm. But I could also see this coming down to a Game 7 situation where he understands, like, this is going to be a career-defining moment. Can he get the team over the hump and get there? Right. He will be tested the entire time by Jimmy Butler and company. There is no question about this in my mind. This is going to be a scrap. This is going to be some of the best basketball you've seen in the pros in a while. Should be. And I'm going to say right now this will be Boston in seven. But I won't say, like, I would be shocked if it went the other way and Miami won in Miami 1-7-2. The only thing I say I will be shocked in, barring any injuries, now which yeah. know, obviously, is if there was a sweep. Mm. If there was a sweep of any sort in this, I would actually be completely blown away. Right. Because I just don't see that happening. Both, no. Both these teams really match up well. I just think that, I mean, Miami does have a little more size to them, in, in right, my opinion. Right, right. But I, I just tell you, I think Tatum is just playing right now with a lot of momentum. And especially, you think about it, you defeat Brooklyn. We it, can't emphasize that enough. You defeat Brooklyn in a sweep, no less. Wait, they beat Brooklyn? In a sweep. I hadn't heard that. Ah, it feels so good saying that. Sorry, Dre. Looks like he's uh, throwing something right now. No, I, I, could, I definitely am going to get that message from Dre. Come on, Ken. Stop. Uh, you're, you have Tatum, like I said, defeating Brooklyn, and then he defeats Giannis. Yeah. Those are big confidence boosters that going against Miami, you know that Jimmy Butler is going to be game for this. You know he's going to get the rest of the team hyped up for it. Oh, absolutely. If you can get over the hump there and beat them, and I think you can, it's you and Golden State in the finals. Mm -hmm. How crazy is that series going to be? I mean, like I
1: said in the preview for the NBA playoffs, throw defense out the damn window.
0: Well, that one I think you might see a great offense versus a great defense. Mm, Maybe. I think Boston will definitely challenge them a little more than they've been challenged by Mm. Dallas. Man, it's going to be some fun basketball to watch. I, yes. can't, I can't wait to watch that series, to be honest with you, Boston-Miami. Going to have a lot to talk about on next week's show about this. So in the meantime, you heard our picks. Now we want to hear yours, O.D. Page Society. Hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPagePod. Who you got for the NBA conference finals? Are you going with Dallas? Are you taking Golden State? How about Boston, or are you going to ride with the Heat? There's only one answer, and that is anybody but Brooklyn. So definitely hit us up, let us know, and give us your thoughts. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
2: Hello, everyone. My name is Nick. I'm the host of Nikolai's Kitchen, and I'm also the host of the annual live stream for The Cure.
0: Coming back for another segment of this edition of the ODPH Podcast, we got to talk a little wrestling. Such good shit. Yes, so this past Monday night, WWE made some headlines, and not for the <laughs> right reasons. Yeah, they did. Man, the internet has been blowing up. We missed this because, obviously, we're recording 607TWS on Twitch every Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. huh. But Raw went on, but not without some controversy. So I guess we'll talk about the good of raw
1: i mean what is it i gotta just say first of all what is it about wwe and going to norfolk virginia it's always something because uh raw last night took place at the scope at norfolk so of course Scorp norfolk 98 you know you know where i'm going Mm -hmm. uh but you did have uh the show open with i was surprised they opened with this you of course had the or you know the teaser leading up from last week almost taking on bobby lashley they had the match at wrestlemania mm-hmm. they had the uh, match at backlash all oh, we got to settle this little oh, steel cage match uh you, you did have which did have bobby lashley emerge and i'm using air quotes emerge victorious uh over almost in seven minutes and 32 seconds uh because despite the fact that you have the steel cage it's supposed to prevent outside interference from getting in outside interference still managed to warm its way in uh, and they decided to go the Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns route, where almost went to throw Lashley into the steel cage. Uh, Lashley then went, now, whether it was gimmicked or it accidentally happened this way,
0: I don't know. Now, I'm going to say gimmicked.
1: Uh, you know, Lashley went into said uh, one of the walls of the steel cage, and that little portion of the steel wall of the steel cage broke, fell to the ground, and then Lashley rolled off and hit the ground. So almost verbatim. Minus, you know, the whole spear thing. Sure. Uh, like Roman and Lesnar did it. What was it, Crown Jewel, a couple of years ago? Yeah. So I had that happen. So I was like, oh, well, that was
0: kind of a flat ending. Yeah, nothing really to it. I mean, it was it was all right, but like the ending kind of went, like yeah. Yeah, I mean, I saw the highlights of it, and I was like, yeah, here we yeah. go again. I mean, just just a quick way to end the feud, maybe per se. Yeah. Dot dot dot.
1: Uh, after that, you had Veer Mahan take on Mustafa Ali with special guest referee The Miz.
0: Oh, geez. Uh,
1: and Veer Mahan submitted Mustafa Ali in two minutes and 47 seconds uh, because they are pushing this dude to the moon. And listen, say what you will about the buildup and the weight and whether you like him in the ring or not. Dude is getting a lot of views on YouTube. Yeah. Like in the multi-million dollar range on YouTube, whether it's for people really liking him or people just curious to figure out what the hell is going on uh but you did have that and then you of course did have the mysterios come out afterwards and maybe they're setting up for something for that i'm not impressed with him thus far like he's all right but like i'm not going wow look at this guy you end up sending the clip to my friends going you gotta check this guy out like he's all right
0: yeah i don't understand the love of veer in his in-ring character mm-hmm. outside of it is like a completely different story he has a very very good social media game i'm yeah. gonna put that out there right now like, oh, yeah. it's very good so I can understand the, the views behind it. I just don't understand where they're going with this, and especially if they're trying to set up. and And this is how it's coming across to me: like they want, they're f- seem to be falling in love with factions lately. Yeah. Or six uh, person tags. Yeah. I don't understand why. I mean, it, in a weird kind of way, it's like they're copying AEW Kinda. to a degree. Yeah to a to a small degree just because of how Maybe this Maybe it's sets just up. easier to book, I don't know. Well, I think that what they're coming across is they're building towards their major pay-per-views. Mhm. And especially if they're doing stadium shows. Like Which we have to remember. They're doing this. for a lot, yeah. They're doing for money in the bank. That's going to be yep. in uh Las Vegas. They're going yep. to do SummerSlam at in uh where the Tennessee Titans play. Yep. So I think the pay-per-views in between have kind of felt I don't want to say downgraded. Mm-hmm. They're, they're lackadaisical. It, the lackadaisical. Thank you. That's a better word.
1: They'll say the other one too is they're doing the one in England, the Clash at the Castle. I forget it's at a soccer stadium. Though. Yes, but that, so that's another stadium show.
0: But that's another stadium show. I think they're they're going all in on these stadium shows, and those are going to be your quote unquote big shows. And then these other ones, and it's kind of weird to think that Hell in a Cell is now turned into that, but mm-hmm. it kind of has. Yeah. I think they're loading up for just a lot of tag action to get everybody on the card.
1: Well, I mean, there's gonna be at least one good match on Hell in a Cell mm-hmm. that I, that they announced, I think, last night, and that's Cody Rhodes taking on
0: Seth freaking Rollins in the Cell. In in a Cell. Yeah, so that, that should be fucking amazing. That'll be really good. That I mean, that's a marquee match right there. So like, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. But if they're setting up for Ali and the Mysterios versus Veer Theory and Miz, as it kind of looks right now I, I don't care for that I yeah I'm not invested I'm just like whatever like you're not moving the needle forward for no, anybody like no except like is it, you like touch Veer is getting TV time people are tuning in to kind of see what the mystique is like I said outside his social media games on point oh yeah so after that I I just don't really understand where they're going with this and yeah. especially like I thought they would be doing something more with Ali Unless he's the one that takes the U.S. title. Maybe. So that's, at the end of it, it should be. Maybe they'll do a scramble match. Maybe. That would be a lot better than trying to do a oh, six, God, yeah. six-man tag. God,
1: yeah. Uh, after that, you had Riddle take on uh, Jay Uso and Emerge Victorious in 10 minutes and 32 seconds. Good match. You know, these two always you know put on good work together. And listen, it's just a build-up to their maybe if they do a, a unification belt match. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I thought, isn't that supposed to be happening Friday? It
1: it keeps getting flip-flopped. Like it, they, the thing is, is like they were supposed to have it at the pay-per-view. Right. They got cold feet or whatever happened, and then they didn't do it. And then it was reported by the Dave Meltzers and the Sean Ross apps that, oh, they were never going to do it. They just used that to promote the show and sell tickets. But then they came out on the Monday after the pay-per-view and said they're going to die. Whether it happens or not, I'm going to believe it when I actually see it.
0: Yeah, same here. I mean, I'm not sold on it. Like, at this stage, it's like the new mutants of title matches. Uh-huh. Like sure, it's gonna happen at some point. Just are we gonna ever pay attention enough to care about it? Because I understand that with Fox wanting you know certain wrestlers to stand right shows, they want that, ex-
1: exclusivity. Yeah.
0: yeah, that I think I understand that with their champions. I just don't understand that with the tag team titles. But right, then again, I'll get into that a little later in this segment. Two of my thoughts yeah. about the tag team division in WWE. Uh,
1: next up was arguably my favorite part of the entire night. Uh, you had AJ Styles and Finn Balor take on Hell and Humberto. Uh, with Liv Morgan at ringside for AJ, AJ and Finn uh, because there was a backstage segment where on on Hell and Humberto tried to say, hey, we see what you're going through with the Judgment Day. Why don't we help you? And she goes, no, thanks. I'm good. Then you had Finn and AJ come by and say, hey, listen, you know, you've got your issues with Rhea who's in Judgment Day. We've got our issues with Damian Priest and Edge who are in Judgment Day why don't we you know unite together why don't we join together and really watch each other's backs because if we don't they're going to start picking us apart one by one mm-hmm. you know so why don't you join us at ringside tonight for our match and jay goes ah, maybe i'll think about it You know, and then uh, she did in in fact end up joining them at ringside uh, where you had AJ Styles and Finn Balor emerge victorious uh, in 9 minutes and 15 seconds it was a really good match and then after the match you did have the 3 of them in the ring together and they all threw up a little too sweet together Uh, so I am further convinced they're building to a match at some point there will be a 6 man tag match and we will finally get to see AJ and Finn tag together in
0: WWE the only thing I want to see from this is if they're going to do their Imitation Bullet Club shirts ooh they should just do it now. Ooh. Like, this would make a lot of sense to do here. They do when I'm buying. Yeah, like, I'm just putting it out there. Like and I
1: haven't bought a WWE shirt in a
0: while. Oh, I know. But if you're going to copy the club, and, and, like, I understand when they did it with Gallows and Anderson. Yeah, and yeah, way yeah, back yeah. When, like,
1: it Oh, That was copyright stuff, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that maybe they could talk to the powers of being and do something better this time. If you're really going to push this, and I think they should. Oh, absolutely. You know, like, if you really want to go into this... <sighs> Like, I hate saying faction warfare, but if if you're going to teeter on that level, mm-hmm. do it with the Bullet club ask club that you're, oh, yeah. you're setting you, up here. You,
1: you need to do this because one of the fat you know faction fights I, I'm sad we never got to see was the quote-unquote Bullet Club with Gallows, Anderson, and AJ, Tate, or even Fenn if you want to flip-flop Fenn or AJ out against the shield yeah that was teased for so many years and i and i read that and i
0: go that'd be fucking awesome oh that'd been amazing it would have been
1: amazing and unfortunately we never got it and now here we are sitting going hey aj and finn had the one match against each other at whatever pay-per-view it was a couple years ago you know but they've never tagged together on a pay-per-view you -hmm. know pull the trigger do it now before we get to another scenario where it's like, well, shit, that would have been awesome.
0: Yeah, I just hope they don't do something stupid and have like Finn turn on AJ and then join so. them. I don't think they'll do it. No, that. like I think just do the club and just do it for the summer. Like, do if you're going to do yeah. something like this and you don't have anything for everybody for reasons. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I will never understand the logic of WWE Creative. If you don't have anything for them, do it. You'll sell some merch. I'm sure that maybe, just maybe, if you decided to try contact the New Japan. Maybe they would feel generous and maybe yeah. work something out with you for the. You know, All you got to do
1: get his tamatongas blessing.
0: Yeah, like they have to get somebody's blessing because I, I forget who owns the ex- actual rights for it. I know I'm just kind of spitballing out there, but I'm just putting it out in there. Like they should do something for it. If you're going to keep doing the too sweet, and everybody knows what you're doing with Finn and AJ, let alone mm-hmm. if you're going to add li- if you're going to add live, I think it's a good move for her. Oh yeah, give her something to really make you know, her
1: not uh, make her an uh, alumni bullet club member. Shit,
0: Jeff Jarrett is at this point. Yeah, I mean if you make her a member and then just you, you have her. Go go in the women's division and represent the club yeah, that way yeah. perfect that's That's, fine. A, that's an easy storyline to go with so they need to do something yeah. like
1: that uh next up was a matchup between alexa bliss taking on sonia deville again because sonia felt oh, i got slighted but all that nonsense mm-hmm. uh, uh different night or same night different city same result yeah uh, alexa bliss emerged victorious pinning sonia deville in four minutes and one second
0: Yeah, I mean, nothing really moving the needle on this one. Not sure where they're going to go with this. Maybe it's just filler. I don't know. Well, I think they're trying to build Bliss back up because obviously whatever the idea is with her character now. Yeah. uh, Obviously, we're not going to see the Fiend Bliss pop back anytime soon. At least not. Who's to say? Because
1: she still has Lily. So maybe. Uh,
0: I don't know. Yeah, but I think they'll stay off that unless suddenly they re-sign Bray Wyatt. Just going to put that out there.
1: Yeah. Uh, next up was the matchup between Ezekiel taking on Chad Gable and you had Kevin Owens at ringside, uh, where you had Ezekiel emerge victorious uh, in 10 minutes and 59 seconds. Uh, listen, the only thing that mattered was you had Kevin Owens there further getting irate uh, about, uh, you know, Ezekiel or uh, claiming he's Ezekiel and, and not Elias. Yeah.
0: I mean, I will say this. This is arguably the most entertaining segment of Raw mm-hmm. each week. Uh-huh. And it's it's all on Kevin Owens for really selling this insanity. Oh,
1: Kevin Owens is doing the best work of his career.
0: Yeah, and he's happy. Like you could definitely tell he's having a good time doing this and especially for, you know, Ezekiel, this is a good move for him as well too because you're really moving your character forward. And and it's entertaining, like I say. I'm going to say the, the match eventually is going to be great, no, but I'll say for right now it's entertaining. Oh that's yeah, The, the
1: buildup's amazing because before this match happened, you did have Seth and Cody out there talking about Seth's attack on Cody last yeah, of week. Course. And, and they, that set him up for the match the Hell in a Cell. But you did have Kevin Owens live tweeting during this whole thing.
0: Oh, that's always good. Uh,
1: he a hashtag countdown to KO, maybe 10 minutes or so. Depends on how long Cody ta- takes for his speech. Stay tuned. Then he, then he added to the thread, uh, hashtag countdown to KO. Cody's asking himself questions. Might be a while. Stay tuned. Hmm. Then he goes, hashtag countdown to KO. Oh, boy. Now he's taking a stroll. Stay tuned. Uh, he then goes, hashtag countdown to KO. The dude running the spotlight is really working hard to stay on Cody as he moves about the ring. I'm in gorilla now. Stay tuned. Uh, he then goes, countdown to KO. Seth is laughing now. It's going to be a while. He laughs a lot. Stay tuned. Then he goes hashtag countdown to cow Man, now Oscar's laughing. Stay tuned, and then he finally goes, oh, my music just hit. Countdown's over. Got to put my phone away. See you there.
0: Yeah, I mean at least he was going there. I was hoping he made more of a comment about Cody's fireworks. That would amazing. <laughs> That's the only thing I was missing from that segment. Yeah. But it definitely was worthwhile. Yeah.
1: And then we get to the main event. Yeah. The he. So this main event was initially announced as a six-pack challenge with the winner going on to take uh, to take on Bianca Belair, Belair at the upcoming Hell in Cell pay-per-view. And your participants for this match were Naomi and Sasha Banks, the WWE uh, Women's Tag Team Champions, Drop, Nikki A.S.H., Asuka, and then uh, Becky Lynch. Mm-hmm. And then, right about, I want to say it was a little it was uh, maybe about 10 o'clock.
0: Yeah, little, it was right around 10 ish. A,
1: a little bit after 10 o'clock. Uh, you know, they, during one of the segments, well, at first it was reported by the first one I saw, and this might not have been the first person to say it, but the first person I saw report it was Mike Johnson uh from pwinsider.com who i'm reading his article says quote the main event for tonight's monday night raw broadcast changed at the last minute to becky lynch versus oscar after two talents walked out late in the day as raw went on the air in norfolk virginia the word making the rounds backstage at the taping is that sasha banks took issue with some of the planned creative for the original main event a raw six-pack challenge to determine bianca belair's next challenger at hell in a cell Banks had a meeting with Vince McMahon, and the belief among those we've heard from uh, from is that when McMahon didn't choose to change the direction on the plans, Banks wouldn't back down on her issues and made the decision to leave the taping. Naomi, her WWE Women's Tag Team Championship partner, left with Banks. Even though she was also booked in the main event match. WWE quickly shot several new segments with Adam Pierce and Becky Lynch to instead set up Asuka versus Lynch as the new main event. This is a developing story, so there may be additional updates. So that, that came from Mike Johnson at pwinsider.com.
0: Yeah, and he's always reliable. Like that's
1: the the event was then brought up. Uh, going into one of the commercial breaks on the show by Corey Graves, who was kind of – he's reading the title cards as they show the matchups coming up, and, and he brought up the fact that, you know, Sasha Banks and Naomi were supposed to be in the main event because I think it even got showed on the show that that was going to be the main event. Mm. And then it got changed, and he brought up that, you know, Sasha Banks and Naomi unprofessionally left the arena, so they're out of the match, and now the matchup was a one-on-one between Asuka and uh, Becky Lynch – Forget Dewdrop and Nikki A.S.H., I guess. Mm-hmm. Could have done a fatal four-way. I don't know. I'm All not i right. am not creative. Uh, but then WWE even went so far as to put out a statement during the show. The show wasn't this even, is wild. The show wasn't even over yet, folks. And they put out a statement, uh, which reads, quote, When Sasha Banks and Naomi arrived at the arena this afternoon, they were informed of their participation in the main event of tonight's Monday Night Raw. During the broadcast, they walked into WWE Head of Talent Relations John Laurinaitis's office with their suitcases in hand, placed their tag team championship belts on his desk, and walked out. They claimed they weren't respected enough as tag team champions, and even though they had eight hours to rehearse and construct their match, they claimed they were uncomfortable in the ring with two of their opponents, even though they had matches with those individuals in the past with no consequences. Monday Night Raw is a scripted live t- TV show whose characters are expected to perform the requirements of their contract. We regret we were unable to deliver, as advertised, tonight's main event, close quote. So then you had the like the internet spinning and going, what the hell's going on? Mm-hmm. Is this real? Is this kayfabe? What's going on? Uh, and I've got an article here from WrestlingNews.co, uh, which cites uh, Wade Keller and his PW Torch audio show. Uh, The article says, quote, during his latest PW Torch audio show, Wade Keller gave some insight into the backstage reaction into the Sasha Banks-Naomi situation. Keller confirmed that this is not a storyline and they really did leave the building during Raw. Uh, What I can report is this is not a work, Keller said. A couple of sources that I trust would know and said definitely, definitively, that this is not a work and the reporting that PW Insider and Fightful early on in reporting were accurate. The people that I communicated uh, with directly in WWE tonight after Raw indicated that this was Sasha and Naomi working together but leaning a little more towards Sasha being the leader and them working each other up but Sasha kind of leading the way into making this decision. Keller also noted that while it was implied in WWE's statement last night that Sasha and Naomi may have had an issue with their opponents in the six-pack challenge, none of the wrestlers in the match have a history of hurting people. By the way, there's no history of Dewdrop or Nikki having a reputation for being rough in the ring. This isn't a Nia Jax type of situation. This is That's not a thing with them. I don't think there was an issue with Asuka or Becky either. There's not a lot of history of personal issues between them, so the idea that they were uncomfortable in the ring with two of their opponents is not something that I know the details of, like who and why. I can just say that I asked around and there wasn't a pre-existing issue with Naomi and Sasha and anyone in the, in that match. Uh, Kellard said that some people will side with WWE and others will side with Naomi and Sasha, uh, but more details are needed in this story. He added, I will say that uh, the people I'm communicating with instinct is that is they're puzzled and they say the locker room and management are puzzled by the reaction and the actions of Sasha and Naomi. It feels weird. I'm told. How this all played out, uh, people are just kind of shaking their heads. The instinct with people, the people that I'm communicating with, is Sasha overreacting to a normal day at work and having been kind of worked up uh, heading into today over some things that might not be all that worth getting worked up over. They're paid to play a role on TV, and WWE said that. Uh, Keller continued, behind the scenes, there's not a ton of instant, instant sympathy or a thought of, like, finally they took a stand over this. Injustice that what's going on. It's more like what? Where did that come from? And how did they get themselves so worked up over this
0: close quote? Well, there's There's a lot to try digesting about this. Uh Uh-huh. The initial reaction is I think that in this this is strictly my opinion. Mm -hmm. I don't have any insider information on this. If I'm putting together my opinion about this, I think what it came down to Mm -hmm. is Sasha and Naomi were presented the idea of doing the six pack challenge. Mm-hmm. And if the outcome was going to be as it's been rumored mm-hmm. that Naomi was going to get the win, then she would face Bianca at Hell in a Cell. Yep. And it was rumored Sasha would then take on Rhonda mm-hmm. at, at Hell in a Cell, too. I think the frustration has been we're tag team champions, mm-hmm. we've won the belts at Mania. Yeah. What have we done with them? Not much. And now you're going to have both your tag team champions, arguably lose, right to both respected women's champions on the shows. Where where is that going with us? What are we doing with this? Right. And I think that what sounds like a initial disagreement got super heated, mm-hmm. and more or less. It was told, well, if you don't like it, you can go home. Like, that's the interpretation I got. Right, right. And I think that both Sasha and Naomi felt a certain way and said, okay, you're going to say that we're out. Mm -hmm. Because this doesn't make sense. Right. That is how I'm reading it. Now, am I saying it was the right thing to do? Mm. I mean, I understand the frustration. Right. And especially if it sounds like it was getting heated. Mm -hmm. Because I know the couple initial reports I I was hearing is, like, they've had multiple meetings about this. Right, right that I think it just finally got time to, you know, everything just boiled over. And that's why they left. Yeah, I
1: I think there's some credence to what you're saying because I read in a couple places that Naomi was supposed to win the six-pack challenge last night and become the challenger for Bianca Belair at Hell in a Cell. It would make sense also for Sasha to then go on to challenge Ronda at Hell in a Cell for her belt just because you know, Charlotte's been, quote, unquote, written off TV, you mm-hmm. know, when in reality, yeah. the, within, quote, unquote, injury. It's, it's, she's not actually injured, folks. Let me break kayfabe for you a little bit. She's going to get married. You know, reports are she's going to get, she's going to get married with Andrade at the end of the month. She'll be back for SummerSlam. Yeah. So in the meantime, in between time, you need somebody to go in there and face Ronda and have a program with Ronda. Hi, Sasha's a former SmackDown Women's Champion. Makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense if it is true with some of the reports and some of the stuff I've read that, you know, they wanted they being Sasha and Naomi wanted to have this program with Dewdrop drop and Nikki ASH. And why isn't this happening? I understand it. You know, I understand wanting to do it because outside of them winning the belts at mania. And I think they had that brief little thing with Carmela and Zelina after mania for a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. Not, nothing real special and nothing real long, obviously nothing special. I can't really remember when it took place. They really haven't done anything with the women's, tag team belts although arguably you can say that for the entirety of the women's tag team belts you know so there's just a lot of hearsay and a lot of stuff going on and i just don't know what's true and what's not it's hard to make normally i can like sit through this and kind of like pick it all right in my head this is kind of making sense and this is this is kind of where i think things are going but this is not the case
0: well i think you hit the nail right on the head ever since they've unveiled the women's tag team titles they have not really done proper justice in my opinion with them no they've been considered an afterthought They're not really defended that often in big, high-profile programs.
1: And part of that obviously goes back to the fact that, well, you have no teams on your roster that are natural tag teams. Mm -hmm. But there are still enough talent on your roster, and even in developmental, that are good enough that you can pair them together, give them enough time to work with and build together. And then, it, and then look at Sheamus and Cesaro. when when and I remember when we were watching Raw yeah. Weekly, we sat there going, why the hell are you throwing these two guys together? This doesn't make any sense. And then they become an amazing tag team together. They have shown that if you give them the time and you give them the right work and the right
0: program, it will work. But you, you got to have patience with it. And that's the thing that they don't like doing with the tag team division in general, too. I mean, take a look at now. We have the unification bout, quote-unquote, that has not happened in how long that everybody was saying was going to happen. This is the problem when WWE falls out of love with the tag team wrestling concept. And this does happen from time to time. Sure, sure. Listen, there's always tag team wrestling, but as far as it pushed to a good place on the card? Not always. Debatable. Debatable as all can be. And I think in the women's case, unfortunately, they just did the belts had an idea for the initial outset, mm-hmm. and just have really kind of let it fall to the wayside. Yeah, And I think that this is something that when Sasha and Naomi took over the belts, and I'm sure when the idea came across about you know them becoming champions, I'm sure that Sasha and Naomi both said, like, this is our ideas we want to do, and we have some teams we can work with. Because I don't think there's any question that they had. There is no issue of them working with Nikki and uh, Dewdrop. None. Right. Like they that I think they that would have been a good series to get them going and do something with. If you're gonna if you're gonna be champions, you gotta defend the belts on TV. Like otherwise it's a forgotten title. I mean, how many times have we ripped other federations for doing this? hmm Now it's time for WWE to take some heat about this. When you're not pushing this title, it's gonna fall to the wayside, it's gonna become an afterthought afterthought. And then if you have champions that are used to being in the main event status, i.e. Sasha Banks. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Naomi is sitting there going like, "This is we should be doing more with the belt as well too. Why are we sitting here going to be right? Just not defending it? But hey, we'll we'll have somebody go over us, and then what does that do for our storyline? Well, we're still tag team champs, and we have nothing to fall back on. Mm-hmm. And unless if if they and I'm just stressing if because like I say, I'm not backstage, I don't know. Right. If then they're told, well, you know, we'll think of something. Yeah. I'm sure what happened is no, we've been champs now for how many weeks. We haven't done anything with them. We now have a program we can run. Let's do this. And I'm sure the powers to be said, no, that's not going to fit the narrative because of X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And it's a situation, well, I'm sorry, whoever is booking the show has final say. You might not like it, but you sign a contract to work for them. Yeah, yeah. So now you're in a weird situation. You walked out. WWE had to do an immediate press release, which, like I say, mm-hmm. that's wild. But I think what they knew is... The internet, it, in this day and age, you have to give them something very quick to start quieting the oh, noise. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I understand that aspect of it. But now you're going to come to a situation of, okay, was this a work to draw some attention to the title? I mean, it quite possibly could. Be. I mean, it could get worked into that. I think if the cooler heads prevail, and I think they will, I think that that's how they're going to spin it to get back in. Oh, Yeah. Because I think at the end of the day, Sasha and Naomi have a legit gripe to to be mad. Oh, at. they do absolutely. As you know, as as performers that are very proud of their work and what they've done in the ring, and you know they they're passionate about what they do. Oh, they're they're great in the ring. Yeah, I think it's a situation where if they're sitting there and they've had multiple meetings, as what has been reported re- reported, and if they're told, yeah, we'll do this, and then no, we're not, and yeah, and then no, mm-hmm. and you know, like whatever the case is, then I can understand being frustrated. And I think what happened is you just got. More heated and more emotional in it and about, like, who's right and who's wrong. Right. And you're not going to get anywhere when you're not willing to listen to the other side. Right. And I'm sure that if I have to make an assumption, I'm sure the powers of B said, we're booking the show. You signed the contract. You're doing what we're telling you to do because this is part of your job.
3: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Just go do it. Well, and probably the time to really vent and get frustrated and real pissed off was probably not day of show. Oh, exactly. Like there's there. Like I understand your gripes and your frustrations, and if you really want to get heated and you really want to bring your frustrations up, I get it. But the day of a show, several hours, or even if if I'm reading some of this right, that like it was in the middle of the show. Yeah. Not the time to do it.
0: Well, that's time the whole, and place. That's the whole thing. We don't know the specifics of when they were told the match was getting redone. And then they were going back to the original plan instead of the one that they worked out of. If, they, if all the reports are true, whatever you want to believe in. I think at the end of the day is, they had an argument. It blew out of proportion because it got heated. And they said, we're told that if you don't like it, go home. And I'm sure that they said, fine, we'll go home. I'm positive that cooler heads are going to prevail. I don't think you're going to see any immediate releases. I, I strongly doubt it.
1: No. And I know some people who are on the line are already going, oh, Sasha's going to go to AEW. If you think WWE is about to let Sasha Banks go because of this, you are on some real special drugs. Yeah. You are you are out of your goddamned
0: mind. And, and I will also uh, double in on that rumor. No, Sasha or Naomi will not be the Joker facing Britt Baker in the Owen Hart tournament. I have had some inquiries asking about that. No, the I will already say that's a lock. That's not happening. Unless something weird happens within the next 24 hours that there is an immediate release with no compete clause waived.
1: Which Vince would have to be in a coma and, and somebody else running the company for that to happen.
0: Yeah. I'm He's st- not going to let that happen. There's no chance in hell that's going to happen, pun intended. I think what's really going to happen is they're going to meet up again and Cooler Heads are going to prevail and they'll come to an agreement of, of whatever the case is going to be. Yeah. I think you will see, maybe not at Hell in a Cell, but I think you'll see sooner than later, Sasha and Naomi taking on Nikki and Doudrop Yeah. and they'll run a program there. Mm-hmm. I think that's ultimately what's going to happen. Or they're going to do something different with the titles and they're going to... Just pay Sasha and Naomi to stay home. I mean, we, we've seen done it before. The, we've, exactly. We've seen this happen in the past that I think that at the end of the day, I mean, they change their minds for whatever reasons. Yeah. But guess what? It's their company. Oh, yeah. They were, the, they
1: were perfectly willing to let Neville Pock sit at home for how long? Exactly. A couple of years.
0: Them, the revival at one point, uh-huh. Ali. I mean, yeah. let's face it. When you are contracted with them, it's their rules. You might not like it, yeah. but they're the ones paying the bills. They're the ones paying you as an independent contractor, so to speak.
1: Well, they're, all, they're not always total dicks. Uh, Candice LeRae's contract did expire, and they could have held on to it for, all oh, you were out for X number of months because of the pregnancy, and they chose not to do it.
0: Yeah, I mean, not like I say, they're not a, completely saints, but you know what, they do have moments where yeah. they, they are working with wrestlers in, in cases like this. But for this specific example... More news is coming out about it. Be careful where you're reading it to. And just wait to see how this all pans out. But if you're asking me my opinion, yeah, they had a heated argument and I'm sure that Sasha was saying, "Why are we doing this when we can do this?" And Naomi was saying, "I agree with her." And they had the idea of we should be defending the belts. We're going to be tag team champions. We're going to put some energy back into this division and do something with it. And if the powers that be didn't want to do that, that's their call. But at the end of the day, it's like, well, are you are you willing to walk home? And, and I'm sure they said, if you don't like right. it, get out of here. I mean, or something to paraphrase. I'm something sure like that, I'm yeah. sure they said, and, and you know what? And I know Sasha and Naomi probably said, you know what? Fine, we're gone. Here's your belts. Do whatever you want with them. We don't care. Either way, it's causing a lot of buzz on the internet today. So hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your theories of what is going on with Sasha and Naomi? You heard ours. We want to hear yours. Let's talk a little pro wrestling. Let's keep it positive. Let's not get toxic. And if you want more pro wrestling talk, you can obviously check out 607TWS on Twitch and in podcast form. And also, blogs count anywhere where we finally got photos, Pad. Hey. It's a minor miracle, but sometimes they do happen. (coughs) Hey, W. So that said, that's on odphpodcast.com. Go check out the articles. Go check out. We talked a lot of independent pro wrestling this week. So definitely, let's have that conversation, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
3: This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Siderin Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name.
0: Or the wanna... Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. Pat, what you got?
1: Got to talk a little local minute, obviously, uh, looking at the Binghamton Rumble Ponies and their schedule from the last week since we recorded. Uh, they won their game on Tuesday the 10th, final score of 2-1. to one. I should mention all these games are against the New Hampshire uh, baseball team. Mm-hmm. Uh, won their game on Wednesday, final score of 9-2. to two. Uh, lost their game on Thursday, final score of 7-2, to two. lost on Friday 7-3, to three. won on Saturday 9-4, to four. and then lost on Sunday 5-4. Uh, to four. Uh, They now start a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6-game homestand against Akron. Uh, they had a game earlier today. Uh, it was a day game because it was baseball and education day, so it was for all the kids. Oh, that's cool. Uh, unfortunately, they lost by the final score of 5-2. to two. Uh they got a game this coming Wednesday, 635 p.m. Eastern. Uh the, which is week here Wednesdays, uh, th- uh the 19th, Thursday. They've got another game, 635, Thirsty, Thursdays 20th, uh again is against Akron, 635 p.m. Eastern. That is Girl Scouts Night. So Girl Scouts will be able to get in there. Uh also it is I know Fireworks Night, Toyota Fireworks Night, so hey. fireworks will be rocking. Uh and then on Saturday, the twenty-first, it is a good life night. Uh, that is at 6.35 p.m. Eastern. And then Sunday, uh, the f- series finale against Akron, that is uh, 1.05 Eastern. That is Family Fun Day and Senior Sunday. Uh, and then they start uh, there on the road next week before they return home on the 30th, uh, where they're playing the A affiliate of the Yankees. Hey. Uh, so the Yankees will be making a run here at the uh, end of May, beginning of June. Uh, more tickets, information, and all that good stuff, bangrp.com.
0: I was going to say, it's not summertime unless you get down to the stadium. This is true. I know. We, we've been making do and I know that they unveiled the early photos for the Doctor Strange jerseys.
1: Yes, they did. Those look really awesome. And I know they're doing the City Connect jerseys, which are kind of like the ones they've been doing at the Major League level. Mm-hmm. Look really fucking cool. It's got like the Binghamton Skyline in like the lower third of the jersey. And then it's got Bing uh, in kind of like the Ponies font style. So it looks really cool. I might actually have to get one
0: of those. Yeah, I definitely had to plug that before we we stopped talking ponies yeah. there. So. Back to
1: you. Uh, Yeah, so switching over to some XFL news. Yes, XFL news. uh, That is the once-owned Vince McMahon franchise that is now owned by Dwayne The Rock Johnson, uh, which is setting to start uh, next year. Uh, I'm reading from an article on ESPN.com because this was announced at the Disney Upfronts as we record. Uh, The headline headline reads, XFL reaches multi-year agreement to air all games, including playoffs on ESPN and other networks owned by the Walt Disney Company. Uh, really yeah so the article reads quote starting next year the xfl will have all its regular season and playoff games air on espn and other networks owned by owned by the walt disney company as part of a multi-year agreement it was announced tuesday beginning in february 2023 and continuing through the spring 40 regular season xfl games two playoff semifinals and a title game will air on espn abc and fx it was revealed at disney's upfront event the deal also includes content rights for Disney's digital, social, and streaming outlets sh- such as ESPN+. The eight-team XFL is returning under new owners Danny Garcia, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and Jerry Cardinal's Redbird Capital Partners. In February, the XFL reached a partnership agreement with the NFL that will focus on creative innovation, creating innovation and protecting the health of players. Uh, this is a definite movement, definitive movement for the XFL and the beginning of an incredible long-term partnership for the league, building on my long-standing, very successful legacy legacy relationship I've had with Disney throughout my career, Johnson said in a statement. So that's super exciting for them and definitely, you know, gives them a good foothold and getting in the American and world uh, viewership by putting it on ESPN, ABC, and FX, and, and thereby also being prominently featured on ESPN Plus and, and Hulu since Disney owns like, more than fifty percent of Hulu.
0: It's wild to think that it's coming back and it might work. It might work. Like I say, it it, it just it trips me out because I mean, obviously, we've seen uh, the other incarnation. Shout uh, out, he hate me. Yeah, that that failed out. And I know when they came back and we had he- we started hearing talks about the uh-huh. XFL, and then you know we've had a couple different football leagues uh, come through, and obviously yeah. USFL just kind of started playing yep. and doing their own thing. It's wild to think that this has now got the shot. Yeah, well, and it's not—it's I... nothing against the other federations too. It's just like we've been here before. Mm-hmm. The expectations have been. Uh, in my opinion, very low.
1: Yeah, I mean, the thing with the first run through was that, like, it was not what football fans were expecting, so it was hard for them to get into. It was more, I'd say, pro wrestling than actual football. Yeah, it
0: wound up turning that way.
1: You know, and then with the second run through, when they brought it back, I think if memory serves, that was coming back right around the time the pandemic was starting. So that I think that was the issue they ran into the second time was they might have had a shot, but then the pandemic hit and, well, the world, you know, got all sorts of crazy, mm-hmm. you know. But with The Rock, The Rock has yet to have a venture fail, yeah. you know, in something he has invested a lot of money into. You know, he's got the ZOA energy drink, which I know is like the number one selling energy drink on the market right now, mm-hmm. you know, and they just launched their pre-workout drink that they got you know i've had zoa myself it is for someone who has tried red bull and i've tried you know a couple other energy drinks they really didn't do anything for me is fantastic I, I cannot recommend it enough you know, he's also got the Terramana tequila line which does very well. I, I just saw on his social media just the other week they broke ground on an ex- I believe I don't think it's a second location for like the the where they make the Terramana. I think it's an extension onto the building they have. Yeah. So they're already doing so much money that they have to expand the facilities they're making the tequila at. This dude has yet to make something or get his money invested into something and not have it work. So
0: We'll see, but this is, it looks like it's got a shot. I mean, it definitely does have a shot because, like, uh, the federation I was thinking of was the Alliance of America. Oh Football. yeah, yeah. Like, I, the, I blank on that, but like you say, you see all these upstarts, and you're like, okay, is it going to be last? And like, how am I going to get invested into this? Mm-hmm. But with the Rock, like you touched upon, I mean, like everything he touches turns to gold well, for the most part. Well, and especially
1: like we mentioned, it's got the partnership with the NFL. Then yeah, creating innovation program innovation programs and protecting the health of players. The NFL is going to be involved in this, so this might be a way. For teams, pick a team. I don't. I don't care who. But if they got a player who goes down and and they need to get a guy in there, hey, we got the XFL. Why don't we sign somebody from over there?
0: See, this would be a perfect thing. I mean, I know that I'm, at least right now they're not doing it for all the practice squad players. Yeah, like yeah, develop a farm system and do that. Like as weird as that sounds, right. For the NFL, right. I think you could do that. I mean, you kind of have something
1: like that with baseball where once the season gets over, you do have, I think it's called the Dominican League. Mm -hmm. You know, there are other leagues. And then there's the, the Winter League, which takes place in either Southern California or Arizona, someplace warm. You know where there are guys that like obviously the Mike Trout's and the Aaron Judges and the Shohei Ohtani's don't go, but you do have some guys that like they need to brush up on their skills, they need to sharpen some stuff. You know you do see them go through there, so this could be that for the NFL.
0: Yeah, this could be something definitely big to watch moving forward. Yeah, but let's close out this show talking some hockey. Uh oh. Oh yes, Pad. See, I'll get the I'll give everybody else their shine because obviously Stanley Cup playoffs are going on. Yes, first round is a wrap. Second round is about to ready to take off. Colorado swept Nashville in the first round, 4-0. St. Louis defeated Minnesota, 4-2. Mm-hmm. Definitely a, a good series there. Calgary defeated Dallas in four, in seven games. Okay. So keep track of this, though. Yep. So that's our first seven-game series, Flames and,
1: Flames and Stars. I'm counting fingers here.
0: Edmonton defeated the Kings, 4-3, seven okay. games. Two. Florida defeated the Capitals in, in six games. Okay. Tampa Bay... Oh, it snuck one out against Toronto 4-3. Okay, that's three. And then Carolina took Boston to the limit and won their game seven. That's four. That's four. But the games, that also doesn't matter because we have one series to talk about. Then went seven again. So five series in the first round. That might be unheard of. I don't know. I'm am not ai not a statistician. Because one team came back and did the unthinkable, as they say. It was, on un, un, parallel, it wasn't going to happen. I mean, I, I was still rooting for my team, but I had my doubts. I'm, I'm not going to lie about this. Uh, given that one game where they were lost 7-2, to two, yeah, understandable. Yeah, understandable. But Blue Shirt Nation, stand the puck up. Reggie Miller, your thoughts. Oh, my God. Quoting the article from NHL.com, New York is the 31st team in NHL history to come back down three to one and win a postseason series. Wow! And is the first team in playoff cup history to win three consecutive comeback wins in elimination games within the same series. Nuts! No blue shirt nation when you see them. Let's go! Oh my dear Lord in heaven! This isn't without you sweating things in Game Seven because Dabble was there. Oh my God! Yeah, I know. I saw Dabble's roll up in the in the garden. I'm like, oh God. Oh, boy. Dabble, two-minute offense. Shit. I got freaked out. But let's face it, the Penguins gave the Rangers all they could have, up 3-1. It was tough. And to be honest with you, this is such a gritty win Mm -hmm. for the Rangers and Mm -hmm. especially for being such a young team. It's phenomenal to see. Not saying this just as a Rangers fan, but seeing them really grind it out against a team that, listen, I understand that Crosby was out. And the injury right. from from Truba. Listen, right. I, I sighed. I, I thought it was it was a little suspect. I'm, I'm sure. I, I will be honest about this. Sure. I thought it was. I thought Truba, in my opinion, played very suspect this entire series. There was that high stick that came late yeah. in Game Seven. Yeah, yeah, causing some blood that was unnecessary. He's got to play better in this next round. But I thought you had players step up. I thought Lindgren played out of his damn mind. Helping out. And like I said, you had a lot of guys doing the little things. Mm-hmm. Chido looked great, too, for the Rangers. Adam Fox played really solid. Lafrenier, mm-hmm. the first-round pick, started showing that signs of he was the real deal after all. But then there was one guy that really jumped in. I mean, Chris Kreider did his thing, too. I don't know I give Kreider his shot. Oh, right. Mika Zabanejad. Hey. Man, did he ever come in clutch when he needed that to? That
1: dude in faceoffs in game 7 was insane.
0: Yeah, he Like did. they kept throwing the stat up on.
1: I think the game was on TBS. Mm-hmm. Uh, they kept throwing up the stat with like whoever was in in the for the faceoff and just the stats for Mika, he was winning almost every faceoff.
0: He played out It was out, insane. He played out of his damn mind. Like completely top to bottom played out his mind for this.
1: That dude uh, Mika in faceoffs was like Steph Curry in NBA 2K with like easy mode turned on. Yeah. I could, mean, could not miss.
0: Yeah, that was the one thing that he got in there, and he just got so in a zone and really just put the pressure on. Mm-hmm. And when they needed to get the puck back, they got it from him. And let alone he was nailing shots than they needed to. Oh yeah. And especially in game th- in game seven, because once the pens went up, the Rangers answered right back. Andre Miller had a great goal. which yeah. I mean, like listen, that was a momentum shifter that they needed. But for this playoff series. They definitely grinded out. And Igor Shudderskin. Shasty. In I believe in Igor. That's my hashtag. I will yell that loudly. This was just such a gritty, gritty performance for yeah, the Rangers. Yeah, no,
1: it was great for them. And I know some Pittsburgh fans are saying, well, we got that Crosby. We still won." Listen, Crosby missed, what, one full game? And then,
0: like, half of another game? You still blew a 3-1 lead. I'll tell you what happened. Listen, if you really want it broken down, your jury didn't play. Yep. He was hurt for most of this. You relied on Louis Domingue, who, like, listen, if you listen to that first broadcast, they were anointing him the second coming. Yeah. So, like, let, let's put it out there. That's one reason why. And another one is when you had the Rangers on the ropes, you didn't close. Mm-hmm. You're a team that has Malkin, Latang, and a lot of veteran leadership. Jeff Carter on there, too. Yeah. You had guys on there that know how to close, and you didn't. That you really—I don't want to say put it in cruise control, but right. Let's face it. Games five and six, yeah.
1: Well, and also too, they had the one goalie go down because of cramps or injury, or whatever. Second it was, one, yeah. You know, and and they had the kid step in that had played like maybe twenty minutes all season. I know they brought it up on the broadcast that so like they were praising the kid because he's like, oh, you know, he he didn't get the start in game one, but he had to come in because of the circumstances, and he played every game since. Like, he did perform well, considering the circumstances of, like, he played, like, maybe 20 minutes all season, if that. Mm-hmm. You know, and then stepped up. But, like, still, you asked a lot of a kid who didn't necessarily have a lot of game-time experience to get thrown into the playoffs.
0: No, you didn't. But this is also why you run deep in your in your team. Like, this is why they had the three goalies there. Like, this it's one of those situations, like, you have to go with the hot hand you had. And you know what? Domingue was winning games. Late until the very end. So you have to kind of look at this. I just think that they relied too much on their stars, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I think that they, the Penguins really felt themselves. And when you do that, you rely on your stars to close too much. I think they did that here. And I think that's what came back to bite them in the ass. Because the one thing the Rangers did is they grinded out. Like, it was a weird flip. Yeah. I'm going to tell you right now, game four to game five was a weird flip. Because Pittsburgh had been grinding out the Rangers, they had been winning the four check. They've been pushing, putting pressure on them, and the Rangers looked lost at times, mm-hmm. completely lost. Especially game four. Game four was atrocious. Hey. Five to two. Like I'm sorry, that's a that's a joke. gun was completely out of his element there. Yep. And I was like, you know, let's see what the kids got. He bounced back, and it was a gutty win in game five. Yes. Game six, even more so gutsy. But game seven in overtime, where, listen, momentum had shifted, especially with that nonsense call. <laughs> and, listen, you can call you can call it a homer pick. I don't give a shit. That was such a bullshit call of a high stick goal for the Penguins because you fully saw that stick was over the bar. Uh-huh. There was two camera angles that were clear as day. Uh-huh. As day people. Uh-huh. And in hockey terms, you cannot do that. That is called high-sticking, in case you're not familiar.
1: You also had at least three networks covering this with uh, TBS, uh, the Sportsnet Canada, and then also MSG Mm -hmm. in the the tri-state area. So there were at least three network angles of that.
0: Yeah. And everybody was saying the same thing. You can't call that. And it was a weird stat that came up on Twitter. and, And I apologize. I can't remember who. I retweeted it, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pittsburgh won four of those 50-50 replay calls this entire mm, series. Interesting. Rangers didn't win any. Interesting. Just saying. Because I know in game one, there was that controversial goalie interference that was right. completely goalie interference. Right. But that changed the whole course of the series. I mean, granted, you go to triple overtime. Listen, any team that wins in triple overtime, he earns it. And I, I don't fault either team there. No. You go to triple overtime, everything's a fair game. But I will say, I honestly thought the game it was going to shift momentum against the Rangers in this one. I really did. But they grinded it out. They got key goals when they needed to. Kreider looked great in this series. Uh, at the end, Mika did Mika things. He's the MVP of this first-round series. Yeah, And dare I say, the bread man, Panarin, uh-huh. came through clutch with the goal that is now the iconic photo yep. of Rangers hockey right now. Probably getting put up in a mural in the garden. Is it should. Because... I mean? he did his damn thing, and, this was, yeah. and honestly, when he shot that thing, I didn't think it had any chance. I thought it was at such a bad angle, it was never going to go in. But, damn it, I was never more happy to be wrong. I lost my voice for a day. I have no shame in that. I will scream it. Mm-hmm. The Penguins got a lot of questions going this offseason. I know they got some contracts up. And you also have to look at the leadership on that team because you guys are the superstars. Your team looked to you to close, and you didn't. That's what it boils down to. When you're up that big, you have to close. And it's shocking as a – I'm trying to be unbiased here as much as I can, so give me, give me some credit on this. Sure. The Penguins have enough talent, they know how to close, and yet they couldn't find a way to do it. That blows my mind. hmm And I'm sorry. Like I think that's where the fault goes. When you're up 3-1, you thought the series was a wrap, and you didn't close, and the minute you let that go to game seven, all bets were off. You got what came to you, Pittsburgh. Sorry, I know it's not the popular thing to say, but listen, the Rangers punched you in the mouth, and you let them off the hook, and they kept staying around for the fight. Nobody to blame but yourself about that. You guys are professionals. You guys have the team to do it. Malkin can close by himself. Oh yeah. I don't want to hear this Crosby nonsense. I granted, I think it was bullshit. He got taken out, but because you know, I I blame Trouba. Like, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm saying it was a bad hit, but either way. You guys should have closed out, and you didn't. So, no sympathy for you. Let me know how the offseason goes. Because now, unfortunately, the Rangers have a very, very tough task ahead of them. Yeah. With the Carolina Hurricanes. I am going to say this. A lot of the analysts right now have picked against the Rangers. Mm. And they're saying Hurricanes in six. I yeah, keep receipts. I keep receipts as well, Pat. Because I think this is going to be another seven games. Probably. And I'm I'm giving Carolina all the credit in the world, too. They are probably the worst matchup for the Rangers because their defense is hard-hitting and nasty. Mm-hmm. They're going to definitely be putting a lot of pressure on Igor and company. And this is a situation that can the Rangers keep this momentum going? I think they can. Am I saying they're going to be sweeping or anything like this? No. By no stretch of the imagination, they're not going to do that. But I think for this team to win, the Rangers have to win those four-check battles. You're going to need more consistency out of Panarin and Mm Lafreniere. It can't all rely on Mika and Chris Kreider. You're going to need to get somebody else to kind of get that pressure off because I'm going to tell you right now, Carolina is going to go in there to punch you in the mouth, and they're probably going to do a lot of that. And if the Rangers can bounce back from that. I like their odds. Granted, they're going to be facing the winner of Florida. Yay. Which, how crazy is that between uh, Tampa Bay and, and Florida? Yeah. But this is hockey, and this is the best time of year to watch, and I cannot stress enough. If you haven't started watching the NHL playoffs, you need to start watching. You can definitely hit me up at OD odparlayer and talk Rangers hockey. I try tweeting as much as I can during the games, so but let's face it. It's one of the few times I cannot focus on social media, so I just throw my phone down, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, fuck it. I don't care. But you'll catch me on intermissions. I definitely get, interact with everybody about that. And it's Blue Shirt Nation till I die. Enough said. Let's go, Rangers. <laughs> that being said, the music you heard on this edition of the ODPH is that Brian Wolf. Now, if Brian's not a Rangers fan and I found out he's another team pad, we're taking him out of rotation. Uh-oh. I'm making that point. I'm good. Uh-oh. I know Jimmy Gazzik is a Rangers fan, so we'll play Floodlands to close out the rest of the playoff series. I don't care. I'm growing my playoff beard for a reason, folks. That's how dedicated I am for this (laughs) shit. Uh, But, Pat, if I want to find out about Brian, where do I go?
1: odphpodcast.com.
0: Right on. You swing on over to the music section. You check out everything going on Floodlands because, you know what? I know they're Rangers fans. Tom Jolu. I'm not sure if he's a Rangers fan, but I'm going to go find out. I know that uh, Tom Dowd is, and he's the guitarist from Floodland. So, you know what? I think we are going to close with some Floodlands tonight, damn it. We're going to keep this Rangers on the sports program till further notice. But you can also check out everything going on with Shout, everything going on with Yard Party, Second Suitor, who's out playing gigs right now. It's a beautiful time to be supporting those guys. They are doing some big things for the summer, so definitely make sure to check that out. Also, while you're at the website, check out Parley Points. New blogs count anywhere out this week. So we're talking Glory Pro Wrestling. Free card on YouTube, Sunday Pad. Nice. So definitely i got to send you the link for that. you got to get into Glory Pro. You would like Glory Pro. It's okay. no deathmatch wrestling. They just do a lot of really cool stuff. Davey Richards versus Eddie Kingston Oh, this week. So. Okay. Definitely worth checking out. Uh, also talking some GCW, talking some Excite Wrestling. Uh, who made some uh, announcements, so Excite wrestling.com Or just follow them on Facebook. That's where Moose updates everything first. Not going to lie. Yes. We're cutting it straight from the hip here. Um, well, that all comes from Parley Points. so you go check out the blogs. Check out the comic book blogs, too, if you got something. Got a big one dropping Wednesday. Huge huge um also while you're at the website check out the classified section which has friends of the show organizational links supporting black lives matter all the amazing pod groups we're in so shout out to the apocalypse shout out to the inner circle shout out to brian wayne cheers to comics and shout out to 8122 productions and our guys over there at 35 nerds horror zone 607 came back strong this week strong and they got a lot of stuff going on too especially some new shows rolling out i'm hearing about pad mm. so if you want to find out what's going on with them 8122productions.com also check out the directory because pad how many providers are we on now oh uh, 22304 yeah that sounds about right i lose track every now and then that's why i ask pad every show cuz he keeps track of this so if we're not on your favorite podcast provider you just go right to the directory and we can f- you'll find us on apple podcasts you find us on good pods you find us on iHeartRadio, radio spotify stitcher if we're not on your favorite provider, let us know and we'll try making sure we put that link up there. We try making it that easy for you to hear the ODPH each and every week. Also, T Public Store links are up there as well. And probably the biggest thing we can say about this week live stream for The Cure. It's right on the homepage. And we go live this Thursday twitch.tv slash live stream for The Cure. So no numbers involved here. It is. A streamathon for three days involving some of the greatest content creators on the planet, raising money for the Cancer Research Institute to create a future quote unquote hashtag immune to cancer. So this is an event we're very proud to be a part of. Rich and I will be on Friday night to close out, 11 p.m. doing Wrestling Trivia Pad. Mm. So Rich has got some questions lined up, got some giveaways we're going to be doing. So if you heard 607TWS, you know the tier deal. And we'll see if we can put out some tweets explaining it Also, if you're doing some donations, very simply hit us up with those donations and a screenshot, and you'll be entered into the contest. We also need contact information as well. So DM those at... Three fat nerds pod and at OD parlay hour. If you're donating, show us what you did for the live stream for the cure. You'll be entered in that as well. So all that and so much more Cannot stress enough. Odphpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one only paddle, one J fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. Fuck the penguins. And, uh, nah, Brooklyn, we've already done enough damage to you this episode. We'll let you off. No, I'm kidding. Ah, Enjoy the offseason. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Go Rangers! We'll see you next time.
3: That were strangers now call me the friends